0: In a world filled with sharks, bears and killer bees, one man is brave enough to stay indoors to bring you the latest in gaming, movie and pop culture news. That man is Tom Awesome, and this is the Outside is Overrated podcast. Hello, welcome to Outside is Overrated, a podcast about gaming and nerd pop culture. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Thompson Logic, and today we are going to discuss Cowboy Bebop. We are breaking down the live action show on Netflix and the board game Cowboy Bebop Space Serenade. Joining me for the discussion today are my amazing, incredible, and illustrious wife, Phoenix. Hello. And the Hobby Box, Joe Burns. Heyo. Welcome back to the show, guys. Feeney, you haven't been on since our Dresden episode last year. Since then, we've brought life into the world. You've stepped away from your career to focus on our family. How has that change been for you, love?
1: It has its challenges. That I'm still trying to get used to it. Um, I
0: think that we both had this picture of being a stay-at-home mom. Like, It would, it was going to be easy. Like, We thought it was going to be easy, right? Like, You'd be around our well, children, and like, it, it was going to be all peaches and rainbows.
1: Well, it's just... The battle of roma- romance versus reality. And I've dealt with that a lot since having kids. You know, I had this perspective of how I was going to be. It's going to wake the kids up, make breakfast, do activities, do this and that. Mm-hmm. In reality, it's chaos. It's chaos, and I barely get dressed. Every moment is chaos. <laughs> I barely get dressed, and then you know I'm in my jammies all day. And
2: so it's like the idea was the beginning of WandaVision, <laughs> yes. And how it is is really the end of the WandaVision. <laughs> yep, that's how it is.
1: Yep. And you know
0: we read so many parenting books, and like we had one kid, and things were going great. Like we were really enjoying life with one kid, and then we added the second one. It's like oh, it is so much harder.
1: Oh, it is. I thought that it would be the same somehow but it's extremely harder and harder to navigate so i don't know it's just been it has its challenges but it has its ups
2: Well, and not that I have any experience in this, because I do not, but I think it's one of those things where, like, you're in, like, the hardest
1: time right now. Yeah, no. (laughs) And
2: and it's only going to go up from here, one would say, I think, right? Yeah, uh, I'll speak for both Feedy and I here. We don't like the newborn phase
0: so much. Like, newborn babies, A, they're hard, B, they're not that interesting. Like. You know, it's feed, poop, sleep, feed, poop, sleep, feed, poop, sleep, feed, poop, sleep. Uh, roughly that long in each one of those phases, repeated over and over again. Now our baby is, she's crawling. She's starting to eat real food. She is pooping like a little monster just multiple times a day. <laughs> our little bowel monster. Uh, but I like this phase a lot more than the baby phase just because she can kind of do stuff. Like, she can indicate when she wants to be picked up. She is interested in toys. Like, she loves unrolling toilet paper it's the greatest joy in our little (laughs) life so far and i don't know i think i think you're right we are we've been through the hardest phases i think it only goes up from here but boy we did not know i'm saying this like i made all the (laughs) sacrifice here but we did not know what we were getting into
1: no yeah it's just something you know it'll take time Mm -hmm. and it just once maybe i have the new norm it just changes on me so i just have to be flexible and move with it but um it's just nice to go on instagram reels and see other moms how crazy their life is too so it's like oh i'm not the only one (laughs) you know feeling this way the strength of
2: community solidarity solidarity yeah
0: (laughs) well burns while everyone around us is making life are you ready to get a puppy or something no that actually
2: has like zero appeal to me (laughs) what about a cat a lizard nah no, I'm not a I'm not a pet person I've never really been like growing up my dad like never we had pets like we had cats outside my dad was always very staunch about not having pets in the house and so I grew up with no pets in the house um, were you
0: a farm kid too or our dad's just of a was, similar generation
2: lived out in the country but we didn't have a farm per se we technically would have been a hobby farm because my dad like raised some beef cattle that was about it uh, we had like four acres. It wasn't a lot.
0: Yeah. I'll Um, count you as a farm kid too. There's something about farm kids and animals outside.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, so that's just how it, that's just how I always grew up. And so the fact of having, like, it's nice, like living with a cat now, it's like, it's nice to have, to mess around with every now and again, you know, or to play with or whatnot, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't have that strong compulsion. Like if I get my own place, um, it's not like, I don't think I'm going to instantly be like, okay, I need to fill this with a puppy, or I need to fill this with a cat, or a lizard, or a goldfish, um, because then it's just sort of like, okay, well now this thing like is dependent upon me to live, and that's like, I don't know, why do I want to sign up for that pressure?
0: <laughs> well, what if you thought outside the box and got like a bird of prey, like a falcon or an eagle? <laughs>
2: Because then it's just like then I have to worry about like getting clawed to death. Well, you just wear one of those like things in your arm, and like oh, yeah. you have the falcon jump on it your arm. It protects the arm, but then when it like starts like gnawing at your face. Well, you teach
0: different. it not to gnaw on your face. That's right. any bad. That's any life here around. But it takes time. You had to, to teach to me, me not to gnaw on your it face. It takes
2: time to get to that point. I don't want to go through the collateral damage that happens until it gets there.
0: Yeah, that's fair. When <laughs> Feeny and I got our cat, we got a kitten. How was that experience, honey? Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he is a little butthead. He was a butthead to me. <laughs> I was his playmate, claws, teeth, everything, and he loved Tom. He would snuggle with Tom, and, you know.
0: He's always this antagonizer. He's always fought with you for my love. Yeah, so. For the record, I love you one million, billion, trillion times more than the cat. (laughs) But It
2: would have been awkward if you said that the other way around. (laughs) I, I would have felt very weird at this moment.
0: Yeah, Burns and the cat are about the same.
2: (laughs) Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah, so cat, second wife, you know? Yeah. Same neighborhood. I don't cuddle with you as much as the cat, so that makes sense.
0: Well, yeah, stuff kind of stopped after college. (laughs) (laughs) Holding your hair back at Perkins, look in your eyes,
2: tell you I love you. Well, it was more so not hair, but like caning me cups.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and plates and everything else that we had at the table. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that was a a lot of throw-up, my friend. Yes, it was. (laughs) Speaking of a lot of throw-up, let's talk about
2: Cowboy (laughs) Bebop Let's try to be as positive as possible.
0: Yeah, we we will try. One other thing I just wanted to bring up. I went to lunch with a couple of friends the other day, and they started talking about something that was happening in the OIO Discord. And I'm like, oh, my God. We started a Discord for OIO last year, or I think it was late in the year last year, and uh, co-host John Munch really pushed forward and you eventually started it. Thank you, John. Because this thing has kind of taken on a life of its own. There are 30-ish members. Anyone that is a fan of OIO is welcome to join. You just have to reach out to me in some fashion. And I'll give all of our social handles in just a minute. Uh, I will ping people to become patrons in there if you're not a patron, but <laughs> you don't have to pay money to be a part of the OIO Discord. You can enjoy OIO and all the parts of it for free, but it's just, it's really interesting. Like, the main channel is discussions of video games, movies, shows. We start all these sub-channels. We're doing Wordle as a group now, Mm -hmm. so, like, everyone's dropping their Wordle results in every day and making fun of each other for the number of guesses it takes. We're doing 20 questions every single weekday right now, and that has been a lot of fun. Someone actually posed as a song from a movie and we had a great discussion and a great game of 20 questions about it so i just i wanted to plug the oio discord because it's grown more than i ever thought it would and it's a really fun thing and i invite anyone that's a part of the oio community and that means anyone that listens streams downloads you're welcome to be a part of it just uh, hit me up either through emailing the show or on twitter or instagram and i will send you a join link We want to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. You can support the show at patreon.com slash oio. Pledges start at $2 a month. You can also follow us all on social. Email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com, overratedpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tom O I O. You can follow Feeney on Instagram at Phoenix Sidlachik, OIO. And follow Hobbybox Joe Burns at HobbyboxBurns on Twitter and twitch.tv slash hobbyboxburns. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash outside is overrated. Big pile of vomit. You guys ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cowboy Bebop, the live action show. Cowboy Bebop originally released as an anime series in the U.S. in 2001. It was part of the Adult Swim lineup when the three of us were all in college. Burns and I discussed the anime show in detail in the March 2020 episode of Outside is Overrated, Gateway to Anime. So if you are interested in our takes on the original show, you can check out that uh, podcast from our feed. Phoenix, I'm going to look at you first. Cowboy Bebop is one of your favorite shows, like out of all shows. That's not hyperbole, right? Like
1: No. the anime the anime is one of your favorite shows
0: how did you react when you heard it was going to be a live action show
1: uh first thought was why i mean (laughs) why take the show and make it a live action to make money honey that's that's the why of everything in the entertainment industry well i guess that the thought is i i know it's big here in america but it is a japanese anime and it's been around for years and it's just You know, why take that and turn it into live action? Is there much of a fan base here in America to do that? Which probably is, but I always viewed Cowboy Baby Bop as more of a cult. not um, Mm -hmm. More of, yeah, following than an actual big fan thing. So, And to follow
0: up on this, would you have been more excited if they were doing more animated episodes of the show, or would you be more excited for the live action take on it?
1: Hard question. Um... It's hard to say about, yes, it'd be fun to have more. But the problem I always run into when people do more to a show, they kind of ruin it. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to keep taking up more ideas. And so it's nice to have the singular episodes and it being just those. Because you know they're perfect and they're done beautifully. And so, you know, live action would be kind of interesting to see if it's done like the anime. But, yeah, it's just...
0: Burns, did you think that this was going to work? Well, so... That Cowboy Bebop live action show?
2: I think, like, on what Phoenix was saying just there, too, I think the anime did a good job of not overstaying its welcome, right? Yeah. And so I would be worried that if, if they did another season, that then it's just like, I don't know, like, you kind of tied things up in a pretty nice bow. I don't want to see what else comes... After that, per yeah. se, right? Also, the main protagonist is dead, so there's that. Well, there is that after the movie,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, they did release the movie after the anime series was done, sort of like what Sherlock Holmes or Arthur Conan Doyle, he did that, Hounds of Baskerville, after he killed off Sherlock. That's what they did. They released the movie a few years after the anime was done. And it took
0: place between roughly episodes like 20 and 21.
1: Yeah. yeah. hmm So, I mean... They could do something like that again if they wanted to, mm-hmm. to bring the characters back, to another movie in the middle of the series. Right. But, yeah, again, they put everything in a perfect bow. It's like, why drag the series on and on? But... I had some trepidation about the live series, because I just
0: don't think that anime works as live-action TV. Like, there's a lot of things you can do with effects. Like, physics in anime don't uh-huh. work like they do yeah. in real life. Like, it just... It's, it's a different medium, and... I just I was skeptical that they could pull it off well.
2: Yeah, I because I, at first, at first I thought that it wasn't gonna work. Like I was just like, there's so the anime is so stylized, um, both in like the drawing and the music, and just like how like combat works. Like yeah. there is like it's like an art to how Spike fights.
1: In, it is, yeah.
2: in the anime, and it's it's like that's like if I think back to Cowboy Bebop. I hear the music and I see Spike, like, spinning around and kicking and and punching in, like, these sort of, like, almost, like, ballerina-esque types of moves. But, you know, and so, like, that stuff doesn't necessarily equate in, like, a human trying to pull that off, right? But then seeing some of the snippets ahead of time that they did, um, there was especially because they put out a trailer and then they put, like, a teaser sort of thing together that was, like, four minutes had the music in the background the entire time and then did lots of like interesting scene swipes and like they would be fighting something and then it'd like come up like something in between and then another person. And I thought like that was like, okay, they might actually be trying to catch like what the anime is though. I don't know that that's something that could carry on over a 20, 30, 40 minute episode. That,
0: um, that teaser video was phenomenal, and it did capture the anime great, and that gave me some hope. Yep. That's not what the show was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, exactly. A thousand
2: percent was not yeah. what the show was. And so it was It was kind of like a, a wave of, of emotions leading up to it and going through it.
1: Yeah, I was hoping with the special effects, you know, that things would... They would take it with some care and try to put something together. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. It seems like it's hard for people to do that. I know Game of Thrones had it for a while, and then it just kind of fell apart. Wheel of Time, I'm hearing some people kind of frustrated with the way they're taking the material. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I don't know. It's just, is it hard to take something and try to capture the same thing, you know? It's like... Well, it's hard to capture lightning in a bottle when you're writing a book. It's hard to capture lightning in a bottle
0: when you're uh, writing a show, I'm sure. And when you try to take lightning from that book bottle and put it into another medium, sure. I'm sure that is exceptionally hard to conduct. Probably so, yeah. Lightning, mm-hmm. yeah. See, so you brought it all together. <laughs> yeah, there. yeah, you did, that, yeah. That was good. <laughs> that was some good podcast hosting right there. It's electric. <laughs> woogie, woogie, woogie. <clears throat> Cowboy Bebop is a sci-fi show that follows a crew of four bounty hunters as they try to scratch out a living on the edge of the universe. They frequently jump between planets trying to capture bounties, settle old scores and get each other out of trouble. The original anime show had 26 20 minute episodes, the live action remake had 10 roughly 45 minute episodes. I thought we'd start a discussion by looking at the three main characters and talk about what we loved about them from the original material and how they were portrayed in the live action. Burns, you want to start us off with Jet?
2: Yeah. So Jet Black was always one of my favorite characters in the original anime. And, and thinking about it, it's interesting. So I tend to, in shows, um, I tend to really like the straight man a lot.
0: Define straight man. I'm not... So, uh...
2: Like, so... There, you have, like, your oddball characters or your people that are all out there. So, like, if you look at Faye and Spike, they're very, like, distinct characters, um, kind of off the wall, both in, like, a funny way and just how they act and, like, very passionate um, and violent, you yeah. know? Whereas mm-hmm. Jet is, like, the straight man in the middle. He is, like, the, the solid force that they, like, play off of, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I always like that. It's similar to one of my favorite X-Men is Cyclops. And he's, like, just sort of the almost white bread leader character. (laughs) And so, I I don't know, I tend to like that in a lot of shows for some reason.
0: Is that why you're drawn so strongly to Outside is Overrated? Am I filling that role in your general (laughs) life as, like, this strong, pillar, straight-laced yes, well, yes. Nice that, leader. Is,
2: that is exactly what you why'd your are.
0: eyes get so big when you said
2: that <laughs> some people say when people are lying they do that but i don't i, I don't do that <laughs> <laughs> and so uh so i that i always like jet because of that and and i think he does have an interesting backstory of being like this disgraced cop that's now a bounty hunter um and let me put a
0: pin in something right there. In the anime, he is a disgraced cop that is now a bounty hunter. And that is kind of his backstory. They do an episode that details his fall
1: from the police force. And the- Actually, he's not disgraced in the anime. He actually got his arm shot off. He went back into the police force. He worked for a long time, but he started to get tired of the <laughs> corruption. But he stayed because of the female character. She left him and he had the watch that she gave him. And he says, as soon as this watch stops, I'm leaving Ganyme, and it finally stops. So he leaves everything behind, because that's the promise he made himself, and bought a ship, and became a bounty hunter. So, in the live action, he is more... In the live yeah, action, more his disgraced. girlfriend
0: <laughs> left him, he was disgraced, and he has a
1: daughter. Wife, I think. Was it... A, did they get married? Uh, well, maybe you're right. Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell. They, uh... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he
2: has a daughter with her that is kind of his anchor back to Ganymede. I, so I think um, Mustafa Shakir, who plays Jet Black in the live action show, um, he sounded a lot like how Jet sounded in the anime. So that was like that was like the one character that I thought like from just like if you were just listening to the voices, it's like, hey, he actually kind of sounds a lot like what Jet did.
1: That's true. Yeah. Um,
2: And so that was one thing that I kind of liked. I I do think he did a pretty good job of playing, like, that straight man. Um, I think sometimes in the writing, um, he was a little too much like... He was a little too much like the the goofy father for the two rambunctious kids, Um, which I think they played that up a little bit too much as opposed to him just struggling to corral these, like, crazy people. He, He came off too much like the scolding father as much as the I'm just trying to get these buffoons so that we can get money because we need money to survive kind of thing and so I think that's part of where they left the mark I don't necessarily think that falls down to the actor as much as just like the source material so much but I really liked uh, Mustafa Shakir as Jet I, I I really enjoyed his portrayal of the character
0: yeah I agree uh, I don't know how to say this delicately so hopefully we don't get cancelled for this Mustafa Shakir is a African American actor. Yeah, I didn't think that Jet was an African American from watching the anime, so that was kind of an interesting change for me. Yeah, I, I thought I thought the actor did a good job, but just it was jarring for me that they made that choice with the casting, given yeah. that I believe the character is closer to Native American in the source material. Because
1: of that ending episode, yeah, one. yeah.
2: Though I do think that the uh... I think the voice actor that did the English version of Jet was black.
1: I think so too. Yeah. Oh,
0: so okay. so
2: that's why I was always just kind of like, oh, okay, well, Jets,
1: oh,
0: yeah. somewhere sure. in there. You also mentioned that he comes off as a scolding father. I agree, and that was one of the like tonal shift shifts that I had trouble with going from the source material into the new one in the anime Spike and Jet have they're almost like an old married couple. They mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bicker, they argue, one storms off, but they always come they're they're a tight unit despite their like differences. And that is not the way their relationship was portrayed in the live action show. I guess we can dive into it more when I cover Spike a little yeah. bit later, but I had a really hard time with that scolding father element as opposed to more of the ringleader role for Jack. Yeah.
2: No, and yeah, and I agree with that. That's like one of the things where I think they kind of fell down on that. And I think That'll probably become a recurring theme with some of what we talk about as we keep going with the other characters.
0: Phoenix, did you have any thoughts on Jet? Or do you want to move on to Faye Valentine?
1: Well, with Jet, um, in the anime, he's a very astute, very smart. He's quiet, and he's, he's very thorough. He does a lot of research. It does, yeah, and through his research, he figures things out. Mm-hmm. Like he figured out who Spike was, and then once he knew about Spike, he became a sounding board for Spike for advice or just to talk to him about and i mm-hmm. really hated how they changed that where spike was not telling him and there was no trust between them i really disliked the daughter storyline because it just made jet too emotional in a lot of scenes and i felt like they focused too much on the daughter mm-hmm. and his thing about the doll for the birthday you know yeah. in every episode of cowboy bebop is about the bounty and c- c- catching the bounty and them trying to figure out how to catch the bounty. And you have Jet, who's the sort of intellectual mm-hmm. and very smart, figuring things out. He's the detective, Yeah, right? the he's detective.
2: Trying to, he's trying to solve the crime, yeah. solve the case.
1: And then he has the two backup people. And you got the one that will go in head first and the one that bumbles but helps out, you mm-hmm. know. But, yeah, I just had a hard time how they made him not as smart. I guess... It was so misleading because the first episode seemed kind of like the anime. The first episode captured the vibe of the anime really well. Maybe they can do this. Maybe it'll work. They had the special effects of the planet. They had all the ships. Mm -hmm. They had everything. And it's like, okay, this is... And then um, Jet was kind of a detective in that one, too. But after that, it just went downhill. It's just... I feel like every resource
0: they had, every ounce <laughs> of brain power they had, every bit of magic they had in that snowman's hat all went into that first episode to get yep. the show made. Like yep. I feel like everything went into the pilot somebody saw the pilot was like, Oh yeah, all right. Yep. You can do anime as a live action show. Great. And then it was just never the same after yeah. that. There were episodes I liked, but I think the high water mark was that first episode. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I just felt like they made Jet too emotional and I really did not like what they did with his backstory episode. I really because he seemed so emotional, mm-hmm. not the cool-headed cop that he was. Yeah. He was just...
0: I think part of the problem may have been that they were trying to set things up long-term, because I, yeah. I think there's supposed to be more than one season, and to show growth, it's hard to bring a character in at like this nice, stable, well-developed thing. I think they were trying to get him up to that point. I just I didn't enjoy that ride, and now we'll never know if... That's right, what are yeah. and like we can't evaluate the show on where it was going or what their hopes and dreams were. We can only evaluate on what made it onto the screen. In front yeah, of us. exactly.
1: And then the ending episode, the way he was with Spike, is yeah. just oh, it just frustrated the hell out of me because it's like that's not who Jet is in well, the in the anime, but in the live action, that's who Jet is. But you and know. I
2: think from like how you were describing it too, like in the anime, he uses his detective work to figure out who Spike is. right? Yep, mm-hmm. and that then like, makes him look good as a character, and then he tries to support Spike, which opens Spike up to him, right? Mm -hmm. In the anime, he's blindsided by it. In the live-action show. (laughs) In the live-action show, he's blindsided by it. Yep. And then, like, at that point, he finds out Spike's been lying to him, Mm -hmm. and what it does is it makes him, because you've made him this emotional person, overreact to it. Yeah. And then it makes Spike look like an a-hole through the entire season because... He's constantly told to tell Jet, yes, like who he is, what his backstory is, and he won't. Yeah, um, and and granted, it's not necessarily that he's just an a hole, it's that he's afraid of what Jet's going to do to an extent and, and afraid of hurting him. But it comes off more so that he's just a selfish a hole that just wants to try to kick the can down the road, yep. and that never goes well. Um, and so I think that decision kind of hurt, like, that hurt both of the characters and how they're portrayed throughout the. Well, at the end of the live action
1: yeah and i agree and the whole thing with spike looking like an a-hole um maybe we should in the pause... anime sorry you
0: can face this point and then uh let's set up spike a little bit more
1: uh with the anime i feel like spike wouldn't have really cared what mm-hmm. jet thought yeah. if it was that way in the anime if jet well, felt sp- betrayed you know i think spike would have just there's Shrugged a it s- off.
0: specific moment that illustrates that, that we just watched the other night. It was, uh, Spike is flying off to try to find Julia. And, uh, Jet says, if you leave, you're not coming back. And Spike says, well, that's your call, pal. That's right. Yeah. So. So.
1: Well, and then they
2: toy around with that at different point- points yeah. in, in the live action show. Like the, the clown episode where they, like, they go through painstakingly this plan <laughs> And they're illustrating it. I actually thought that the scene was good, but it lasted too long, where they've got all of these random knickknacks on the table that are, like, how they're going to attack this with the three of them, Faye, Jet, and Spike. And and Jet is making them say it in, like, this sing-songing pattern because that'll help them remember it. I actually liked the bit, but it went on for, like, double the time it needed to. Too long, yeah. And then, like, Spike just... Blew it up. Sets it up so that... The, he hacks the, uh, the ship so it shuts down and he leaves. So that, like, illustrates that part of it. But mm-hmm. then at other points, he's worried about hurting Jet's feelings, and it's just like it seems like there's no consistency. It's all over the place.
1: Yeah, they try to do too much maybe with making it... Um they tried to do it this way and that way, and they mm-hmm. couldn't find a middle ground for that character or that instance, and so...
0: Yeah. We've been talking a lot about Jet and Spike. Let me set up Spike Spiegel a little bit. I view Spike Spiegel as the main protagonist of Cowboy Bebop, both of the anime and of the live-action show. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the live-action show, he is played by John Cho, who is an accomplished actor. To me, he's always going to be Harold from Harold and Kumar. Like, he was also
2: <laughs> Sulu in the new Star yeah. Trek movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he sure was. Harold... <laughs> Has been to space
2: <laughs> multiple but times
0: now. Spike is an interesting character. First off, he's got a very unique visual style. Like once you know who Spike is, you'll always see Spike when you see that blue suit. He he always wears a blue suit, except for when he's on a cold planet where he wears a dumpy jacket because they're <laughs> broke. But Spike is cool. He's got this it factor to him. He is the ultimate bad assassin. Uh, we are. 30 minutes in, and I just swore for the first time, good job, team. Yeah, he is the ultimate assassin. His background is that he was an orphan who grew up in this uh, syndicate and this with this organized crime family, and they trained him to be a ruthless killer, and he was very good at it. Mm-hmm. He yeah. just he is a, the ultimate killing machine, essentially. But as you follow him around in Cowboy Bebop, you find he's got this almost like zen-like approach to every instance. He's just wandering through life like a leaf on the wind, dealing with everything as it comes, and like not getting too worked up about any of the details, uh, which is paired with a complete disregard for human life. So like he stumbles into uh, a heist in the movie, which is a take on the anime. He stumbles into this heist, and they take a hostage, and they're like, we're going to kill this hostage. And he's like, eh? whatever, she's old. She looks like she's lived a full life. Yep. And then he <laughs> shoots the dude holding the hostage in the head. It's like, oh, all right, well, maybe she would have died. Maybe... I'm glad she was fine. It's just he's <laughs> this fascinating uh this fascinating main character who just wanders through every situation without getting too involved until his love interest is peaked, and then you see a definite shift in him and suddenly something matters to him. I think that he was he was awesome in the anime series. In the live-action show, instead of going with the flow in every situation, like walking around with his headphones on and just moving mm-hmm. through every situation. He was trying to manipulate every single situation so that Jet wouldn't find out his backstory, so that he'd uh line something up with Julia, so he'd end up talking with yep. Annie. Like he he was such a manipulator, he was various in the shadows, like moving all the pieces around. And I just I hated the way that he was portrayed in the live action show. And, uh, John Cho, I didn't realize that he broke his leg during shooting, mm-hmm. and so one of my main uh quibbles with Spike was that every time there was a uh, like any sort of athletic move—a punch, a kick, a jump—like they would have to cut away, and like you'd see the stunt double instead of Jon Cho performing the action. And it was—it really broke yeah. the immersion for me because Spike is a fighter; like he is constantly in hand-to-hand combat with something. He also used a lot, a lot of guns in the show. Yeah. I mean, what did the, you think about Spike's fighting style?
1: In the live action, yeah, <laughs> they relied more on the guns. Where if you watch the anime, he does use the guns, but he. He always goes to hand to hand almost Mm -hmm. immediately, except for when he's up against vicious. He uses the guns. He he often gets
0: close enough to another character in the anime that he can lay hands on him. Like if he's identifying a bounty, like he often winds up like talking to that bounty. He's like face to face with them. And then if they try to resist, he just starts punching.
1: With the whole sequence and, you know, if they do have a stunt double, use a stunt double to do all the martial arts. If they had someone, you know, just don't do close-ups. And yeah. a lot of the anime, you know, a lot of it was far away to mm-hmm. show his stylized fighting. So they could have relied heavily on the stunt double to do all those type of martial arts. And there's, if you watch any Chinese, Japanese films, Korean it's amazing what they can do Mm -hmm. with martial arts and, you know, it's just, and especially Maneese, I've watched a few and I feel like they're actually hitting themselves, hitting each other. It's really more realistic than other films I've seen. So, I mean, they could have found a way to do what, they do over in Asia with the stylized fighting. I think they could have figured out a way. It's just... It just never got to that point, right? Yeah, and, you know, it's and I felt like they relied too much on the guns. John was okay. I mean, I think he relied too much on his humor Mm -hmm. with his acting where they needed someone that was a little bit more quiet and zen, like you said, more subdued. And who could deliver some humorous lines, but I think they should have found someone that had more of a quiet presence to them and to portray Spike, you know, and uh, yeah, John, he just, he sort of had the look, but... They made the look work. I didn't. Yeah. I don't think he
0: nailed it, but it wasn't so bad that I'm sitting here thinking that it ruined the show for me.
1: It didn't quite ruin the show. I just like it was good enough. The banter between him and Jet, trying to bring the humor in too much. The show didn't have that much humor. You know, it just.
0: And I really struggled with that relationship with Jet because, like I said, in the anime they were like an old married couple. They would argue, they'd storm off, but they they were a unit and they were they were united in the live action. They were just like a tempestuous couple that just got together. That was just poison for each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That was like doomed to f- doomed to fall apart. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it just, if that didn't, that didn't ring true to me. And especially that last episode of the, of the live action, it's just like, uh... because then it's like, because like we were talking about last night a little bit, it's one of those things where if there was a second season and I kind of wish there would have been just to see like what more they could do, they're going to have to spend the first like third of the season, like trying to get them all back together because everybody's at odds with each other or off doing their own thing. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it frustrates me when they feel like they have to drive this wedge between characters. Yeah. Um, because if you look at the source material, they didn't really have to do that. No. Like there's ways around that and there's ways to create, I think there's ways to create conflict without having to create like ultimate conflict between people. To mm-hmm. basically set them, like, as antagonists towards each other.
0: Well, if there's no ultimate conflict, there's no ultimate resolution.
2: But, but there, I don't know, like. I no, think, I'm with you. I yeah. just, I, think, I thought it was a funny point to say. I just think <laughs> in the, in the anime, like, the ultimate conflict was with Vicious. And, and granted, in the live action, it is too. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know. It just, it was frustrating. Yeah.
0: Let's save our thoughts on Vicious for just a little bit. There's another main character to the show. We haven't talked about Faye Valentine at all. <laughs> she is a essential part of the anime. Mm-hmm. From the anime mm. to the live action, the crew went from four down to three. Phoenix, do you want to talk about Faye Valentine and her portrayal in the live
1: action? Yes. Um. So Spike is my ultimate favorite character from the show. But I chose Faye because uh, they just destroyed her character. So they <laughs> <Come laughs> just... Tore it apart. It's just oh uh, in the anime, Faye is a very complex character and all the characters are complex in the anime. Mm-hmm. And um Faye in the anime, she you find out she was in Cairo sleep, she wakes up, which they do in the live action, yeah. but you know, she gets manipulated by these con artists and um this guy makes her to Fall in love with her, and then she takes on all his debt when he dies without realizing it. So she has all this debt, Mm -hmm. and so she's going around this world, you know, around the universe, you know, just trying to live her life. And so she has this outer presence that she likes to portray that she is this. I don't want to use a b word, but she is. mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) She is a strong,
1: confident. (laughs) She She portrays herself as a strong, strong, confident, confident, yeah, woman, and she has this attitude about her and she wants to seem like nothing can affect her at all yeah Yeah. or no one can chip her attitude no one can you know take down her armor Mm -hmm. when you finally learn later in the series she is very vulnerable she is very um innocent in ways and it's just her vulnerability when it comes through on things that she's just she leaves the ship hoping that they'll come and get her because she wants to feel wanted, mm-hmm. you know, and she just wants to feel like she belongs. And I truly missed her. Gambling, you know, yeah. she would steal their money and go off and gamble it all, and she wouldn't save anything. It's yeah. like she wouldn't pay off her debt. She wouldn't do any of that. Well, and- Faye
0: had a very loosey goosey relationship with money throughout, because <laughs> yeah. she was she was a cheater. So she always she would gamble a lot, and she'd often win because she had a tool that would change dice in her favor?
1: Was that what the cufflink did? She had ankle bracelets that she tapped them, and she had dice too that she would use, and they were connected. I can't remember something with the weight or something, but she would change it. I think Faye is actually my Favorite character from the anime
0: because of the reasons that you touched on. She has a tragic backstory. Like it is really horrific that she was woken up out of cryo sleep and this this horrible manipulation ha- happening. So she's straddled by death forever. And the vulnerability that you mentioned also. I just think she is interesting and nuanced while also being she's a strong and capable person. But she's got just so many layers to her that I've always been really drawn to her in the anime. What did you think about her portrayal in the live action show? <laughs> um. First off, I really hated the outfit when I saw the trailer. What is it about the outfit that drove you so crazy? Because in the anime, she's very much anime girl. She wears like a short short top, uh, booty shorts, and like a thong that you can see.
1: I think in between. they changed the colors. It's like they could have done a similar outfit or something, but. Stick with the yellow. Stick like the with the red. As opposed yeah. to like
2: a more like, because it was like more gold. Or mustardy. Or mustardy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very much muted, where in the anime, it's a vibrant bright. color. Yeah.
1: The headband wasn't there. The yeah. hair was wrong. I, hair. Don't know,
0: I don't know why the hair irritated me so much, but I hate when a character doesn't have the same hair as they do in the source material, because like hair, is something you can change. Hair is something you can manipulate. <clears> hair is something that like, you can you can make hair work. You can make hair look right.
2: Well, and it's not just that, but... Like, her hair just looked weird for no reason in that live action, I think, too. So, I I did notice that. I was just like, okay.
1: She could have worn a wig. They could have given her a purple wig. You know, the headband was, you know, it's quintessential Faye. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of cosplayers out there, and they do the traditional Faye outfit. And to me, it's not that revealing. You know, Like, there are
0: way more boobed-out things than Faye's outfit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, with um, the Bounty Hunter show, they kept her... um, costume true to the source material big shot big shot she had the jacket with nothing underneath and you could see the boobs it's like why did they stick with the traditional outfit there and not do it with Faye
0: maybe because she was a side character and was used so much less I do
1: I was thinking that as well but in the white ankle boots to have the ankle you know the brace the ankle bracelets you know are true to case Faye's character you know and I just, to, her, to me, she looked too much like Electra from the movie. You know.
0: I don't know if I've watched the whole movie. I remember the opening scene. You did. Oh. She
1: has the red jacket. She has the black pants. She, to me, she looked too much like Electra in the life. Yeah. And... Her whole attitude was totally well, off, too. I think,
2: I think they, like, lead with the vulnerability with her, almost. Like, the first time they meet her, she's like, the they lock her up in the bathroom, and she's like, I can get out of here. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then after that, it's, like, instantly to her backstory. Yep. That she can't remember anything. And so it's like, she doesn't have the time to be cool, competent, controlling Faye. Yeah, And she's just, all of a sudden, it's the backstory. And then the backstory is all that you really get out of Faye other than some random side quips about um like shower, bath, shower or whatever. Yeah. Um and then and then it uh and then it's just back to her side story. And that like for like three or four or five episodes, it like goes all the way through her backstory, like kind of permeates through like multiple episodes as it goes In through. In ways,
1: them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: And uh I don't know. It just seems like they, I, th- I don't think they did a terrible job with like how they did that, but I just think it was too much of her character, and not enough of her character was her character.
0: Yeah, the thing that I missed from Faye in the live action was they didn't give her a very diverse toolbox. In the anime, like she gets dressed up, she goes to casinos, she works as a dealer, she fakes her way into a theater. like She's very much a con woman, in addition to being a competent fighter and pilot and all of the other like, athletic things she can do. There was just this charisma that she had, and she knew how to use it, and she would use that to open doors and to pursue bounties. I really I really missed that in the live-action show. I just felt like... I didn't like the portrayal very much. I just... I thought that they did a good job writing dialogue. I thought the actress did all right portraying Faye, but I just... Overall, the entire Fae package just fell short to me. Maybe it's because I had high expectations because of my affinity for the character and the source material. The
1: other thing they were missing a lot was the gambling and the cards. Mm -hmm. Because in almost a lot of the episodes, there's cards on Bebop. On the Bebop.
0: That's how they spend a lot of their downtime in between bounties. Because uh, there's a pacing... There's a major pacing difference between the two shows. In the anime, there are some intense anime action scenes, but there's also a lot of downtime. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of time for scenes to breathe there's a lot of the characters just hanging out in the bebop either researching bounties or killing time or waiting for this system to boot or waiting for this repair to be done and there's just a lot of downtime for them to breathe together and that just wasn't a part of the live action show it felt more like a more traditional action experiences boom 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 on to the next gunfight 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 well nobody
2: punch anybody we're using guns again well and it's funny because even though yes it was focused a lot on the action and bouncing from action scene to action scene It feels like the bounties took a backseat to everything else.
1: That's what I was just (laughs) going to bring up, too. um, And that's like the weird thing, because
2: it's like they're bounty hunters, but yet like that's the focus of the first episode. Yeah. Bits of a couple of the other ones, but then otherwise it's just always trying to track down these other things.
1: Yeah. To me, they decided to just do the whole like Jet storyline and phase back storyline and spike storyline. Where, to me, the whole anime of Cowboy Bebop is them finally coming together and working as a team, as a bounty That's the soul team. of Cowboy Bebop, yeah, is the
0: crew working together and overcoming obstacles And together. that's
1: what was missing, and that's what I really missed from the live-action show, because there's hardly that much bounty hunting going on. Right. You know,
2: and, and, and if it was that they felt like they wanted to get rid of the exposition in the first season so that the second season could be all of that...
1: Possibly, I
0: possibly. don't know. But we'll never know because people no. didn't like this enough, so we're never going to see a second season, <laughs> right? The and Speaking of the bounty hunting, Phoenix, there is a moment in particular that you thought was particularly hokey. Spike and Faye are on a ship together. Jay tells them to pick a bounty and go work on it because oh, a prison yeah. transport ship had crashed, and there's all these bounties just running loose in this small area. And Faye and Spike are arguing about who to go after, and so they end up not going into anything, and you... have learn that Spike just doesn't want to work with Faye. He doesn't trust her out in the field. And so, like, they have this pissing match about who's the better bounty hunter.
1: Yeah, it just, I don't know. I just didn't like the scene. The way the two characters interact, you know, you know, he got, Spike got, seemed too chummy towards the end when he did the shower-bash shower. They seemed to be Mm -hmm. best friends where he and uh, Spike and Faye had more of a explosive relationship in ways in the anime. Um... She always took care of him when he got hurt, but they always were kind of at each other in mm-hmm. ways. But um, I just... Making her catch one of the toughest bounties in the live action didn't really sit well with me because in the anime, she blunders a lot. Mm-hmm. She mistakes identities. Like in one episode uh, with VT... She's trying to find this Someone bounty. with of dragon tattoo. Dragon tattoo, and this big beefy guy comes in, and she sees partial tattoo, so she thinks it's him when it's a scrawny little guy mm-hmm. with in the a glass next door, and you know, and so she blunders horribly with that, and also she blunders when she's in her ship sometimes because she doesn't care where she's at. If she's in a building, she starts shooting everything because mm-hmm. she wants the bounty, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I just. Again, miss the bounty aspect of the show, them working as a team. And I miss Faye's, Because of her vulnerability, she does blunder, you know, because she doesn't pay attention. So she's Mm. reckless. Reckless, yeah.
0: Oh, now I see why I like her so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's the most Tomish character, (laughs) boobs and all. (laughs) There are a lot of other recurring characters from the anime that are in the show. We don't have to do a deep dive on each of them, but some of the ones that I thought were notable were Annie. Annie is a convenience store worker in the anime, anime. yep, And she is raised to a prominent role in the live action show. She runs a bar that is frequented by the syndicate. So she has a history with Spike and with Vicious and with everything else that's going on. Her assistant in the show is Gren, who is another character from the anime. He is a
1: transgender character. Not really transgender. He was male, but they did experiment on him when he was in prison. So he got the female attributes. So he's... Did he get
0: female attributes or did he just get boobs? It's it a just, little murky. He just got boobs. But... but Faye sees him in the shower in the anime and she's like, what? What yeah. are you? And he says, everything and nothing, both at once and yeah. neither at all. And yeah. Really interesting and powerful line, in the uh, in the live action show he's a bartender. Yeah, yeah. host well, at a like club. Yeah, the
2: host. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. yeah. works for Annie. Very, I don't know. I like. I thought it was an interesting character. I wish they would have called it something different, though. Just like made him a new character as opposed to trying to tie that specific aspect to the anime.
1: Well, both Annie and Grin. I wish they uh they changed the names. Um, I love in the anime how he goes. How you find out about Annie at the convenience store because she's chasing down two small boys with pornographic magazines because they stole it and they bump into Spike and he's looking at it, reading it. It's a great little scene, you know. And then it's yeah. a moment
0: of brevity in this otherwise oppressive atmosphere. Yeah.
1: No, I just, she's more down to earth in the anime, you know. She doesn't live a luscious life mm-hmm. that they portray in the live action, you know. But. And Gren, and, you know they totally changed his storyline. It's like Gren is a pivotal character in the anime with Vicious storyline because
0: he's betrayed by Vicious while they're in the war together, yeah. and uh, he's part of a showdown that Spike has with Vicious on another planet. Yeah.
1: So it's just it's sad that they changed those two characters. So.
2: Yeah, and I honestly didn't remember either of them from the anime because um, I haven't watched it recently. I watched through most of it when we did the anime show two years ago um and i i don't know like i could remember bits and pieces of the show like i obviously remember the main characters um and i remember like beats like i would see different things within the live action i'd be like oh yeah i kind of i remember that i remember that guy from the show like uh um hakeem you know, the guy with the, with, with the, with the afro is like, oh, yeah, I remember him from the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was about it. And so.
0: Well, that's because these are all minor side characters. They're just little bit parts. And the soul of Cowboy Bebop is the four bounty hunters right. working together to overcome challenges. Well, no, three.
2: Only three.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, they're also Vicious and Julia play a prominent role in this show as well. And let's, uh, let's get to them just a little bit later. The anime was episodic and unrelated, largely unrelated between episodes. There was just the mm-hmm. showdown between uh, Spike and Vicious and Julia. That triangle was maybe four episodes out of the 26 episodes of the anime. Yep. The live-action show followed a more linear thread, setting up the confrontation between Spike and Vicious. Let's back up for just a second. What were you hoping for from the show? A retread of anime episodes or something entirely new? For me, I would have been happy with either direction. I just wish they would have chose one, leaned into that, and if it's going to be something new, great, let's see something new. Yeah. But I was constantly distracted by what were call-outs to the source material and then something new, and I'm like, is it new? Is it old? Do I know this? Do I not know this? What is happening here? And I, just, I wish they would have done a better job of capturing the tone and the feel of the original material, because I mentioned this earlier, the original has such an interesting and quirky and dystopic feel to it and the live action series is just bang 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 shoot 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 crab 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 shoot 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 I'm out of here well cuz yeah you
2: don't really get you don't really get much of a sense of place in the live action um, like they talk about going to these different planets and you're on these different planets at times but you don't get like you don't get anything about how they're like how how things like actually are on those planets uh, and so I think that is one thing that's missing. I do think they they probably had to change something from the anime because I don't know that you could make a TV show for, like, an American or, like, Western audience and not have some sort of a through line and just have, like, an episode about this. Then something completely different and an unknown amount of time happens in between episodes and now this is happening. and then an un- So I think they did have to do something... I, I do think, though, that they, in trying to create this, like, very strict narrative throughline and trying to wedge all of the characters' backstories into one sort of pathway, I think they lost a lot of, like, what made Bebop Bebop. I agree.
0: and I would counteract to your point that it needs a through line. Just the one random example I have is the early seasons of Star Trek Next Generation were all supposed to be unrelated. There were these adventures happening in space with the same characters... But uh, because they are going directly into syndication, uh, the writers were instructed not to have any things that tied from one episode to another. So I think it can be. I think it can be done. I don't think right. that you necessarily have to you have to have that through line. And <laughs> I think, frankly, this would have been a better show without that. Uh, without the Spike Vicious Julia. Maybe
2: I, things have changed a lot in the last like twenty five years in how TV shows are structured. Though um, you don't see a lot of shows like The Next Generation anymore, where it's just like. Hey, they're out exploring, and they're doing this this episode. They're doing that that episode. Um, maybe I mean, it would have been bold for them to do something like that and try to make it work. I mean, it probably would have been better than what they did because um, I think, you know, a lot of other decisions would have maybe been better than what it ended up being. Um, and so I don't know. I just I think I think that would have been difficult if they would have mirrored the anime one to one. I think it would have just brought up even more of the, well, this isn't the anime, though, so it just doesn't work. Um, then don't do an anime show as live action. Well, I think, and maybe that I mean, that's probably what they're learning. I mean, have any of them actually succeeded? That not have tried that to do
0: I'm that? aware of. Out of every
1: single one I've watched, which is Cowboy Bebop, no. <laughs> it's not translated well. Um, yeah, I would- For me, I was hoping that they would stick more to the source material because there's so many great singular episodes with so many great characters Mm -hmm. like VT. It would have been great to see VT on there. Um, I think there's still a storyline in the background with the anime. I mean, you have Mm -hmm. Spike's storyline, which they could have done with the live action, just not make it so prominent. They could have had it sort of in the background, sort of like Firefly. I mean... Each storyline was singular in ways, but they had sort of... You knew in the background there was this stories being we... Yeah, we, yeah the men we, in blue are coming, right? You know, the men in blue... Um, Here come men in blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I was hoping more of the source material, you know. And, and they didn't have a lot of the source characters true to the characters. And I missed a lot of, again... Like the boy with the harmonica, that would have been a very fascinating episode for them to do. I can't remember his name, but and they screwed up like how Ein's episode, how he came in. It's mm-hmm. like you could have stood to stuck to the source material, but because they.
2: you have the same character in the live action <coughs> that does introduce Ein in the, but then they did it. Yeah, no, I I, I don't know why they decided to do it that way.
1: Yeah, I just in a lot
2: of those instances.
1: Yeah, it's just so I think they lost the essence of the um, the characters and the show by doing that. And the music was prominent in the live action, but I felt like sometimes they were pushing the music too much mm-hmm. because everyone thinks Cowboy Bebop the music and just. And I don't music... think they
0: did as masterful a job as matching the music no. as the anime did. No, the, they didn't, so. and
1: that was part of my disappointment. Was they kind of try to push it as much as they could in ways not without blending it like they should have.
0: Well, and let me put you on the spot here, Phoenix. Given how much you love the anime, do you think there's any chance they could have pulled off a live action that would have satisfied you?
1: It's a good question. Um, I want to say yes. If they, you know, try to... I mean, you could keep the same actors. Eh. And I'm just saying, you know. But try to... St- tone down things, try to stick to some of, just take some of the big episodes and try to, you know, follow that. I think they could have done a good job. Um, you know, again, like you said, for the actor, for Jet Black, you know, the writing probably played a lot of role, why we didn't like him. But I'm also wondering if the directing, directors mm-hmm. can play a huge role and yeah. what they want from the actor. And whoever directed this, I think they kind of were not in tune to the source material as maybe they should have been when directing this. Yeah. So,
2: Or they were in tune with it in a different way. Yeah. You know, because, um, like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it was. Maybe he was just, like, really into the music and, like, yeah. the atmosphere and then the backstories. Like, that's what he really, like, wanted to portray or the showrunners wanted to portray. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what most people... Like, get from the show.
1: Yep.
0: Because the core of Cowboy Bebop is the four bounty hunters working together right. to overcome obstacles. Three. Three.
1: <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> and again, like you talked about, the show, the live action was bang, bang, bang. You gotta keep going. Yeah. Where, again, like you pointed out with the anime, which was nice, you have the ups and then you had these quiet moments mm-hmm. and, you know, and those were kind of missing. But I also had a hard time with the It didn't seem like it was in outer space in the later episodes. I I felt like one scene, it's like, why are we in England? You know, because it had Mm -hmm. the quintessential English-looking village. And then, why are we in suburb America for Jet's family? It's like, when you watch the anime, it's so dystopia, some of the the cities. And I don't know why that would have been hard to portray with special effects. And them not having their ships. And Spike's ship not being prominent either in the show was hard for me as well cuz he's in his ship a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it would have been cool to see that big gun shoot.
1: Yeah. And Faye gained her ship later, but Jet never got his ship. He was riding around in a motorcycle and you know, but it's it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> I think
2: I th- I think that I, I I did like the music. Um I think the problem was that I don't I don't know that it was necessarily the music per se but it was that the action on the screen didn't live up to like what the music was building. That's up That's a good to point it. too. Yeah, I think that was part of what it was. Um, but I do think there were some moments where it seemed like they were trying too hard to make the make like the music emotional, whereas it seemed to blend in a lot better, like with like the singing stuff um, in the anime. It blended in, I think, a lot better. Um, I do like though how most of the episodes. Like Tank was slightly a little bit different during the intro. Yeah. Um, like it would lead in with like, it, it would lead in a little bit different to it sometimes. I, I kind of like that because it made it like a little bit different take on it. It made it seem like jazz. It's like, it's mm-hmm. not always the same song every mm-hmm. single time. It's a little bit different here, a little bit different there. Like, and it's just like slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, th- I thought that was a nice touch with the music. You heard it here
0: first. Um. Hobby Box Burns believes there should be better quality control on jazz music. (laughs) (laughs) More consistency. Homogenize it. Diving a little bit deeper into the overall narrative style, was this linear style a benefit or a hindrance to the show? I... I have stated on Outside is Overrated many times, I prefer a linear style of storytelling. Mm -hmm. I like moving from point A to point B to point B to point C, because C follows B. I think in this specific instance, the linear story was a hindrance. The core of Cowboy Bebop is the group going out on adventures. By focusing on Spike, Vicious, and Julia, I think they missed out on what made the original so iconic. Because that the Spike, Vicious, Julia storyline, not that interesting. Not that interesting. Not that well done.
2: Well, no. especially not when you put it as the full front, this is the main arc of it, and Vicious is on screen more than Jet is. Yeah. Or Faye is, for sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, oh, Julia, I think, is even on screen yeah. more than, than Faye is, which is just, you know, it's just weird because that's not the case in mm. the anime. And that's that's what they didn't
0: get about the source material. Here is the critical failure of Cowboy Bebop, the live action show with Vicious, Less is more. Last night we were playing the board game to get ready for the show, and I equated the vicious from the anime to being like Venom. He is a terror lurking somewhere out there in the darkness. You don't know where or when he's going to strike, but you know that when he does strike, it is going to be bad. Some bad stuff is going to happen when that man walks into the room.
1: Yeah, I just... Do you
0: feel like bad stuff was going to happen when Vicious was on the screen in Cowboy Bebop, the live action show?
1: No, he... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, he was a whiny little kid. He was just, like, they changed his backstory. He wasn't an orphan like Spike was. Um,
0: Instead, he was a child of privilege, born of one of the elders of the syndicate.
1: And it's just like, I don't know, the actor was not... Great. His look wasn't great either. Kind of yeah. was off putting his eyes with the wig. And yeah, he didn't have that sense of terror. That first scene where he is drugged into the elders at his house with the virtual hologram thing, it's like the way he was in front of them, kind of begging them and mm-hmm. having it just that's not the vicious in the anime.
0: The yeah. character that we knew from the anime had a very commanding presence. Yeah. Yes. He, he did, he didn't say a lot, but he he spoke with his actions. He showed us he didn't tell us. He showed us that he was this ruthless guy who didn't give a crap about any of the traditions of the syndicate. He was going to take over. Yeah. yeah.
2: But then instead, he needed to Be connive manipul- and manipulate and needed Julia's help to yes. connive and manipulate his way through it. Mm-hmm. And if it was a way to try to elevate, which it seemed like it was, a way to try to elevate Julia as a character more than it was a way to make Vicious a better character. Yeah. That's what it seemed like it maybe was, especially with where they went online. the line.
0: I thought the most ridiculous moment in the entire show julia and vicious are trying to organize this coup of the syndicate and they're working with one of the other like mini bosses uh, at a similar level of vicious and this mini boss says that she will only work with vicious if julia sings for him. And he's like no way no way is my woman gonna sing for someone else my woman will I'm like she's a jazz singer for yeah. christ's sake just let her sing happy birthday who gives a crap yeah, I know. and julia just sings anyways she's like oh yeah, well because it isn't that big a deal honey you can sing wherever and whenever you want to to whoever i don't care
1: I, I I don't know. Vicious was just poorly poorly done and I just I don't know, and Julia too. I don't know if we're gonna get into Julia here now. But um Yeah, let's uh let's transition over to her. In the anime, Julia is a mystery and she is um more memories throughout the anime till towards the end you find out she's alive and but it's just in the live action I just did not like being so prominent. I didn't like how she was almost it seemed like, was she manipulative at the beginning? At the very beginning. It's like she went on on dates with Vicious. She hung out with him. She knew what he was like. It's like it shouldn't be a surprise to her what he's Mm -hmm. like and well and to defend vicious
0: for just a second and to defend things that weren't in the show at all like on dates you put your best self forward like he's not going to be murdering dudes
1: no i get that but it just to me it's like and the whole julian spike too just really rubbed me the wrong way because they vicious it's like why don't you come out with us and cuz she thinks you're funny and he says oh do you guys talk about me a lot so that tells me that Spike never saw Julia until that point when they go to have the, at the bar, yeah, uh, an intercourse yeah. at the bar where they dance, and then they have a one night stand, and now Spike is absolutely head over heels yeah. in love with Julia, would do anything for her, and she's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, she didn't seem that in love with him either, no. in you know, and she went to Spike, like oh, okay, I have to go to Spike. She didn't put up a fight when they came for her. It was just one person that you have to come with me. And so, and then the first episode of her leaning against the car, she smiles at Vicious when he comes to her. It's like she likes him, Mm -hmm. you know. She's in this marriage. It's like she had no qualms about it, you know. Because she knew he was violent because of that um, when she had intercourse with Spike that night, she knew what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's like she knew what vicious mm-hmm. was like yeah, yeah she
0: knew that vicious was off murdering a dude and she's like yeah. oh, i'll just sleep with your best friend yeah so i just <laughs> hashtag life choices
1: so just this whole trying to make julia something more it was just yeah. very off-putting and especially at the end what they did it's just like
0: let's not dive into the ending of the show because it is very spoilery there is something there's something big at the end of the first season and i okay i i I don't particularly like it, but I also don't want to spoil it. If somebody listens to this, it's a completely turned off on uh, the concept of the live action show. It it
2: seems like what they wanted to do with Julia was they wanted it not to seem like she is a um, caged bird, you know, needs to be saved type of character. And that that was the focus with that character is it's like, we need to make it seem like she's in this position Uh, and has control over parts of it and is trying to get her way out of it on her own and doesn't need Spike to save her, Mm. which, you know, if done well, maybe could have been really good, but I just don't think it worked, and it didn't work with, it didn't work with, like, the portrayal of Vicious because, I don't know, it just, through so much of it, he just isn't the type that would, like, actually harm her, (laughs) right? Mm. And so, I don't know. I, I just I think they missed the mark with it and I think a lot of why they missed the mark with it was because there was too much of it yeah it was way too much of a focus of the show
1: yeah it was
0: I feel like they tried to emulate another popular character from another popular fantasy series and I feel like they did it in a derivative and inferior way
2: which which character were they trying to emulate
0: I can't uh I can't say it on air without like spoiling what happens at the end of the show oh, gotcha
2: okay you have to tell us afterwards
0: yeah if you think of your game of 20 questions it's from that franchise. <laughs> A prominent female. A book.
2: Oh, book. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking Zeus. <laughs> I was like, Hera?
0: And if you want in on the inside <laughs> jokes, make sure you hit me up to join the OIO Discord. We've we've dumped a lot on this show. Let's try to focus on some of the strong points of the show. Phoenix, what were the strong points of Be bought the live action? I'm laughing because I'm setting you up because I know you didn't enjoy the show very much. <laughs> Um, Was there any, what were the highlights? What did, you had to enjoy something out of this, right? I'm not sure. Um. Oof. (laughs) Well, Phoenix is going to sit on the bench for just a moment (laughs) and think about what she has done. Uh, I thought that the effects were really good. I thought the intense action scenes were pretty good. they as down as I've been on this show and as down as I am on the main storyline that ties all 10 episodes together i was up and down there were episodes that i really really enjoyed after the first two i remember saying honey i think this is pretty good like i am enjoying Uh this experience then i think there are a couple down ones there in the middle i'm like oh yeah some of these are really really good and then towards the end when it was all spike and julian vicious i really was kind of blonde towards the end but for me it was an up and down experience and i i know we focus so much on the negatives because we're so passionate about the anime but i want to I want to point out that there are highs in the show. I, maybe I don't have any specifics listed in front of me, mm-hmm. but it's not all bad. They, there were moments that I enjoyed in the show. Burns, where did you come in on it?
2: Yeah, I, like, I would agree, because when we talked about it on Unfiltered, I can't remember, we talked about it on a podcast and I just watched the first two episodes. and I was just like, oh, yeah, actually, I really like it. Like, I think they did a good job um, with a lot of the things, and I do think those are like two of the stronger episodes. Uh, the episode with... Phase, uh, mom, con woman, mom. Um, I thought that was a pretty decent episode. Like that was enjoyable.
0: And we'll call her con mom from now on.
2: Con mom, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I did like the three characters, like the actors that played the characters. Um, I do think that there were shortcomings in the characters. I honestly, actually think that a lot of that had to do with the writing of the scenario of, like, how it all went together. I think if they would have been given something that was more true to the source material, I do think that the three actors probably could have pulled that off. Maybe John Cho less than the other ones to try to be a little bit more like the anime characters. And
0: maybe if he hadn't broken his leg, things would have been a Possibly. touch different.
2: Um, Like, the action, I do remember, like... I don't know. Nothing ever stood out to me about it. Um, And so that was unfortunate. I do think, like... Overall, like, watching through it, and because, like, the anime isn't as sharp in my focus, um, like, I actually enjoyed watching it. I'm glad I watched it. I eagerly would have watched another season. It doesn't get anywhere close to, like, how much I enjoyed watching The Witcher, which is another Netflix show um, that I think did a much better job of capturing the source material and changing things at points um, to make it better. Um, So, yeah, I don't know, like... I don't think I, I, I enjoyed the music. I liked the music. um I, I thought it was great throughout too.
0: Were there any major weaknesses that you don't feel like we've covered yet?
2: no, I think I think we focused on a lot of like the big things that that I had.
1: Um,
0: Phoenix, any it. other shortcomings that you want to address before we get into our final thoughts?
1: No, I you know we touched on a lot of it already some sure
0: well let's close our thoughts on the live action show and then we're gonna rate this some be one 2, ten. for me the show was disappointing it was disappointing it was an up and down experience i was hoping it would be all ups and that i'd love it and that we'd have more <sighs> cowboy bebop in a different medium that we could mm-hmm. enjoy i am going to rate this show a 6.5 out of 10 but i much like burns i would have watched another season because i was interested enough to see if they could pull these scraps together and make something interesting out of it. So I would rate it a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, then we'll go Phoenix next, and then we'll close with Burns, hopefully on a high note.
1: <laughs> um, I'd probably rate it a 4. If I close my eyes and take away that it's a cowboy bebop show and it's a sci-fi show, to me, it's still lacking as a sci-fi show, because it isn't a true sci-fi show, and Like you said, there's a couple episodes that are great. The first two sort of had the feel of of outer space. Mm -hmm. But after that, it was like, oh, I feel like we're on Earth. You know, we're not really in outer space. So I have to give it a four. I just am not. Well, I...
0: I Completely understand. I think all of your points are well-founded. I don't think you're being unfair about anything. Burns, are you somewhere in between us? Are you higher than me? I assume you're higher than a four on this
2: show. I'm higher than a four. I'm like in the same range as you. I would have put it like a six or a seven. So probably 6.5 then would be about right.
0: (laughs) You know what I thought about as the Mendoza line for this? When we did the Dragon's Dogma show, you talked about how on another gaming podcast, they talk about swimming in sevens. Yeah. And like that's a perfectly acceptable medium, and you can have some fun. I put it it just below that. Just below that, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's what I was looking at, too, is it's like, I I don't know... Like, the more that I thought about it and the more that I, like, have looked at, like, where it goes and how it goes, I I would probably be in, like, that six range. Sure. It's like, yeah, like you said, just below the Swimming in Sevens aspect.
0: So the Cowboy Bebop live-action show on Netflix canceled after one season, probably for a good reason. Yeah. I don't feel like we can in our hearts of hearts really recommend this show if someone's going to watch one half hour episodic sci-fi show where should they start phoenix i'm sorry what (laughs) if we're going to recommend one half hour long sci-fi show for people to watch half hour long um
1: a lot of the ones i recommend are longer than that um perhaps an animated series yeah (laughs) oh there's lower decks but also firefly if you haven't seen firefly Sure.
0: If you haven't seen Firefly, why are you listening yeah. to the show? If
2: you don't know who Nathan Fillion is, yes. Casey, you should maybe watch Firefly.
0: Oh, yeah. Also, Castle. Come on, that was a popular show. <laughs> it was a popular show, but it wasn't. It doesn't fall under our sci-fi and fantasy I know, umbrella. I know. We oh. watched a lot of Castle. This is a big Nathan Fillion. house. Well, right
1: I, I guess if you watched Buffy in the last season, he totally freaked I've never me watched out. Buffy. Uh, as the villain at the end of the season. He was really, really good as the villain. But So watch Firefly,
0: A Better Space Adventure. Burns, you have a recommendation?
2: Um, so I was actually going to say The Lower Decks because I'm, that's one that I want to watch. And I honestly don't watch a ton. Like, I, I like sci-fi. I just don't watch a ton of it. Um, I don't know. I can't remember how long episodes. Some of the episodes are maybe closer to, like, 35 minutes. Some of them are longer. But The Mandalorian, I think... Mm, yeah. is really good. I mean, granted, maybe you'd argue that's more of a Western than a sci-fi show, but it's definitely sci-fi.
0: That's sci-fi. Um,
2: the Mandalorian, I think, is fantastic if you haven't seen it yet.
0: And I'm going to go off the wall and recommend Farscape. It is quirky and weird and it is out there, but it is very, very funny and it's got its own unique charm and style. I and think those,
2: those are only 30-minute episodes? No, those
0: are hour-long. Oh, okay. I, I broke my own rules. You did. I yeah, so. I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> I, isn't Firefly an hour to you?
1: Uh, no, I can't 40 remember. 40 minutes? I think it's... Eh.
2: Eh. The one I've heard a lot from a lot of people is the Expanse. Yeah, that a lot of people like swear by. Yeah, and so that's one that's been like, it's piqued my interest, but it's like five or six seasons, and I just like, yeah, I'm having a hard time saying I can get through that many hour-long episodes um and see it all the way through, and so I'm reticent about that. But I've heard nothing but great things.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> to summarize. You can probably skip Cowboy Bebop <laughs> live action series. There's a lot of great sci-fi out there from something classic that was canceled too soon and Firefly to something more recent that people seem to really enjoy in The Expanse. There's lots of great sci-fi options, and uh, I hope you check some of them out and let us know your thoughts.
1: Hey, do you know someone? Um, I just recently had a baby, and at night it's become a battle of Will's. My shoulder versus shushing and rocking her to sleep. She'll lay awake in my arms and I rock and shush, but my shoulder just starts aching and she's staring up at me innocently and it's a battle of wills who will, will she fall asleep first or will my shoulder give out and have to, you know, lay down and hopefully she'll fall asleep. So I need someone who can help crack my shoulder. What is your husband doing during all of this? Well, he is putting the other one down, the big one. Oh, all right. Well, he sounds very
0: helpful. He sounds like a wonderful human being, and uh, you must be very lucky. I am. You should check out Premier Health. They have solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accident, board game, and baby-related injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. We're going to move on to Tom Awesome's Top 5. It's time now for... Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. For the Top 5 today, I am turning it over to my amazing wife, Phoenix, to discuss the Top 5 Most Interesting, not necessarily bad (laughs) female sci-fi characters in TV series. Take it away, my love.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk about female characters who... Have very interesting background stories, but not necessarily badasses. And I kept it to TV shows because if I brought in movies, then I would have to include... That would be a top 30 list? Maybe. Yeah, you're going to have to include, like, um, uh, Ripley um, from Aliens. Mm-hmm. And that's a fascinating story because it turns out they wrote it for a man. And at the last minute, they um, hired uh, Sigourney Weaver to play him instead. Oh. So they, that's why it wasn't really written like a traditional female role. Interesting. But, so, mine are for TV series, and um, for number five is Aaron's son from Farscape, because... Yeah, Farscape. I just recommended that show yeah, like two minutes did. ago. Um, she is a peacemaker, and peacemakers are basically cloned in ways, if I'm remembering this correctly. But basically, they just don't have a lot of motions. They have a drive to go after criminals, bring them in. They are taught all sorts of different martial arts guns. They just know how to take someone down. And what makes erin Son
0: so interesting from
1: such like a homogenized group of people? Well, it turns out she portrays some emotions and so she defends John Crichton when he... Who's the main character character of the show, who's this
0: astronaut that's flung to the far side of space and trying to make his way home.
1: Yeah, and... He accidentally kills the leader's um, brother, and so the leader is after him, and she kind of defends him, and so they say now she is a criminal, so now she is on this... So she is ostracized from her entire way of life. Everything she has ever known, loved, grown up with, believed in, is all turned on her. So she's on a ship full of criminals, hmm. and this human, and she has to fight her inner nature not to take down these criminals, because... They're now part of her mm-hmm. new family, and so, and she's so innocent too. Because when they run into different situations, she doesn't fully understand the complexity of emotions or what's happening. And so you kind of follow her journey as far as her figuring out who she is without having the peacekeepers um, world anymore. So interesting. Number four, I would say River Tam, because I think it would have been fascinating if they continued the show to see how depth her um, mind reading. And she's from Firefly. Sorry, thank you. From Firefly. You know, does she become less sane? How much can she truly read people's minds and emotions? How far out does it expand? Mm -hmm. Does she have some future? uh, Can she tell the future a little bit? You know, and the way she's able to take down people. Very quickly. It would have been a fascinating to see her develop and what it would have looked like as the show progressed. Well, and
2: then, like, and yeah, what kind of a person does she actually turn into, yeah. right? Does she like- do- can she control it, or does she yeah. just lose herself to it,
0: right? Yeah,
1: does she become more the weapon, or does she keep her innocence and stay a girl, and can she control the weapon aspect that re- she...
0: Refresh my memory. My recollection is that she was like abducted as a kid and was a science experiment. Did she show no, like some she- magical ability, or like how, how did she end up on the ship with Mal and the crew?
1: She was a genius um, kid. Well, her and Simon both are geniuses, but she got a brochure in the mail about the school, and the school had all this wonderful things for kids that are geniuses. So she begged her parents to let her go, and they did, so she went to the school. And turns out it was actually a place where they were cutting into brains, trying to carve these genius kids into weapons that can mind read, can tell the future, and kill, use any weapon and martial arts to kill people. And they were so
0: it's basically the worst use of science imaginable in the future. Like yeah. this dystopian future where they're trying to weaponize brains.
1: Yeah, so they're trying to program her and and while they program her, they had safe words in her so that they can trigger her but also put her to sleep so she doesn't go too crazy. But Her brother helps her escape, and then I think they, her brother recruits Mel and the crew to help her. No, or he her. I don't
0: remember anything about the show. I've only seen Yeah, he shows up on through. the ship
1: with this big suitcase, and um, something happens. and Mel's like, Why are you so protective of a suitcase? He opens it, and then mm-hmm. they assume that he was part of a sex trade, but he yeah. had to explain no, it's his sister, and you know, and so forth. The show goes and on. He points at an
2: and says, She's part of
1: the sex trade, yes. <laughs> Um, I understand the reference. I just don't have anything to add to it. <laughs> uh, third one is Michael Burham from Discovery, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Um, it's a this,
0: very... A f- show we've watched recently. Yeah,
1: it's a very fascinating character because they took a human. She's raised along Spock, so she's a human... Raised in a Vulcan world, World. where
0: traditionally we see Spock in a human world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we know Spock deals with his human emotions, but he sticks with the Vulcan. But we actually see a human who has, who is, she's sticking true to the Vulcan teachings. She's staying true in ways to what she was taught as a kid. And, you know, and you get inklings of what she's capable of, and we haven't seen her full potential. And, something happens and she goes to prison and then she, someone takes her out and wants her on the ship and she doesn't feel like she should be there. And, and they call her, um, a mass she's responsible for a massacre. And so it's just her working through people shunning her while working on the ship and just, her using her vulcan that she's and learned. And she's also a
0: superstar. Like, she's brilliant. She's yeah. very capable. She is a strong fighter. Like, she has all these positive qualities that would usually cast her in, like, the hero light as, like, the straight man mm-hmm. reference that Burns used earlier. That is the role that she would seem groomed for. But because she was involved in this massacre, society has basically turned on her. Starfleet yeah. has turned on her. And somebody thought she had potential to use as a tool, and that's how she got out of prison.
1: Yeah. So, so thank you quick
2: aside would you guys recommend discovery
0: loved it i uh, yes. loved it the first season is like one of the best villains it's the whole season is just a wondrous joy ride it is yeah and there is an actor from the uh, movie portrayal of rent who is actually a scientist and is one of my favorite characters okay. mm-hmm. yeah, like the main character from rent mm-hmm. um he's writing one great song roger
1: yes um, I was toying between one and two, and I think I'll do Captain Janeway as number two. Ooh! And this is the. She oh, what ship is she the captain on? And
0: which Voyager? Cities?
1: Thank you, Captain. Uh, Star Trek Voyager. She's not a popular captain with the Trekkies. They find her back and forth with her command, either. And what's Chunk the hook Kong? with
0: Voyager as a whole? What what position is she thrust into?
1: So she's a captain of of Enterprise Voyager, um, and they get hurtled into Delta Quadrant, and so and another ship, a Marquis ship, they destroy the machine that brought them over, and they're stranded in the Delta Quadrant. And so she has a crew, half of Enterprise, half of Marquis. So she's trying to command a ship of people that aren't fully Enterprise. She is trillions of trillions uh light years away from the federation so she has to rely on herself solely as a captain to make the decisions on what is right and wrong in a quadrant that she has no doesn't know anything about so i find her fascinating because she has to be a mother advisor the head of the federation be a captain all in one go and people criticize her as a captain because she you know Kirk is a Maverick Picard was intellectual mm-hmm. and she seemed to be both of those and people seem to have a hard time where she was all gung ho and emotional at times but then she was very intellectual clinical in her decisions but i think she did a great job portraying because she's on her own you know mm-hmm. she has no backup no nothing you <laughs> know she has to solely decide whether she's going to step into this conflict or not does she help this society does she not you know right. she has to make it all on her own so well,
2: and probably a good leader isn't a hundred percent maverick or a hundred percent intellectual yeah. but probably a balance in between league, like, yeah. you have to know what you need to be at the right time right yeah
1: and so you know and she has to keep herself collected because she has no support behind her you know she has to rely on her second command but still she has no support Mm -hmm. to fall on you know is her decision correct or wrong and so i find her very interesting in that way because she is you know on her own and so why have we not watched any voyager together it sounds like a fascinating premise it's a great show and tom paris is one of my favorite characters in all the star Trek world um there's a lot of great characters i don't know we've been busy we've been watching other stuff (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> it'll always be there
1: Yeah, as long as Burns keeps paying for our Paramount
0: Plus subscription
1: <laughs> and for honorable mentions um, Doctor Who because they have now a female Doctor Who I haven't watched any of it and it would be fascinating to watch Doctor Who as a, portrayed as a female mm-hmm. and Doctor Who is probably one of the top sci-fi characters out there and so now to you can include it into the female world because of the female doctor now. So, and then 7-9, she was another interesting character in Voyager because she was Borg stripped of her humanity and then brought back into humanity on the ship. So, you see her trying to figure out how to be human again. And so, the actress did a great job portraying her innocence, her trying to figure out how to be human again and trying to navigate all that. And then the top
0: one... Wait, whoa, whoa. before you jump in, uh, I wanted to jump in with an honorable mention. Oh. Uh, oh, and now I can't remember her last name. Martha. What's Martha's last name? Jones. Martha Jones. My favorite companion from Doctor Who. She oh. is a doctor who ends up accompanying the doctor. Uh, she is a medical doctor who ends up following the doctor around. She falls in love with him. It is not... Uh, the doctor doesn't love her. And so she has to deal with heartbreak. She has to deal with all these adventures. And I just thought she was a strong and capable and just awesome character. I've always loved Martha.
2: I <laughs> thought it was going to be Martha Wayne or Martha. Batman's Kent. mom. Yeah. Cause Superman's was, Martha mom? was very important in uh, <laughs> no. Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Martha, why did you say that name?
3: Why did you say that name? Just
2: leave
0: the dog. Just leave, <laughs> leave the, the dog. I know. <laughs> just leave this
1: to the dog. Um, then um, the first one would be Beckett Mariner from Lower Decks, an animated character
0: from an obscure show that is only available on Paramount Plus. Yeah, what makes Beckett Mariner so interesting? I love this choice, by the way. I think you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you went this way.
1: She is someone that you meet on the Lower Decks who is, you know, scrubbing toilets, doing all the taking artifacts, doing the grunge work. And the Lower Decks are the other guys in Star Trek. Yeah. Right? You think of Kirk and Picard and
0: Janeway, and they're all up on the bridge. They're all these famous characters that are on the bridge at the highest level of Star Decks. The Lower Decks is an animated show that looks at the other end of that spectrum. At
1: the very bottom of the ship. And as the show goes on, you find out that she was actually second command. She knows languages. She is brilliant at tactics and you know, fighting and martial arts, she can take anyone down. She's like a super fighter. But you don't know why, but it sounds like she made the choice to be part of Lower Decks. She hated being part of Command. Something happened, which we haven't found out what, but she prefers to be on the Lower Decks when all her friends around her want to move up to the bridge. So she's kind of always constantly belaying them for wanting to be on the bridge. And when her friend leaves for a promotion, she gets salty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she is on the ship, um, who the captain is her mother, and they keep that quiet. No one knows that the captain is her mother, and so they're always buttonheads. But she's a very fascinating character written, and I think... If they do do a live action, I think it would translate well, too. I don't and know. There's a lot
0: of crazy monsters and the stuff. No, monsters
1: and... are kind of crazy, but it's just... And Beckett is also... Um, or I should say Mariner. She's also um, very um, forward-thinking in her thought because she's on a planet where this computer is ruling their life, and it's a nod back to original Star Trek show and... So she's on the corner step saying, here's colored pencils, here's paper. She's trying to get them to be creative. So Mm -hmm. she kind of steps outside the parameters of the Federation and tries to help cultures and nudge them along because she just doesn't view it right. And so, but she's a very fascinating character. That's such a good show. It is awesome list
0: bernsey do you have any strong female characters that you would like to mention from tv specifically sci-fi
2: um i mean because then there's always like because i was wondering and we've talked about this before but like superhero genre would probably fall outside of sci-fi
1: well people include it but i don't i see it as more a separate genre but when you look at lists everyone includes Scarlet Witch? Yeah. Marvel, you know, comics. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know. yeah. You because, know? yeah, I was
2: wondering about, like, like from WandaVision specifically, like, Scarlet Witch, though, I don't know. Like, she's more so in turmoil most of the show, so mm-hmm. it's hard to necessarily say that that would be the case. Um, the question I wanted to ask is, if you were going to rank it out, where would Faye Valentine fall into this from the anime? Yeah. Would she be close? Do you think she just doesn't quite cut the mustard?
1: Um, she'd be pretty high for me. Yeah, she'd be in the top ten somewhere. Um not sure exactly where, but yeah, she'd be in the okay. top ten. So.
0: Awesome. I don't have anyone else to add. Martha's great, and we watch a lot of the same stuff.
1: You're forgetting your big one.
0: I'm forgetting my big one? Who did I forget? Inara.
1: Scully. Oh my god,
0: I did forget my big one! <laughs> Wow, I, I that's why we write things down ahead of the show. Um, Scully from the X Files. I have always had an affinity for the X Files. It was one of my favorite shows as a teenager. I've never made it all the way through from beginning to end, but I just I always loved loved the X Files and Scully's a big part of it. And what I think makes Scully so compelling is that she starts out so skeptical. She's there initially to spy on Mulder and to report back to the powers that be, and eventually she. Moves over to his side. She believes and she like, she sees all this crazy stuff and they go through all these adventures together. And I, I've always loved Scully. Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome.
1: Never
2: seen the X-Files.
1: Oh, good. I'm not the only one. No. <laughs> How have neither of my wives she I mean, X Files? I've probably
2: seen like a random bit of an episode before, but never a full episode, never sat down to watch it.
1: Well, my parents just was not into the show and of course at that time when it was out, it's just parents were yeah. kind of and we never watched much TV and you know, my parents kinda had, you know Plus we lived in more and like we had antenna TV. Yeah, so that's like, the thing too. <laughs> we were somewhat limited. I, yep. So just never had a chance to go back and visit it in my later years. But Okay.
2: I can only watch one. Do I watch Ted Lasso, The Lower Decks, or
1: X-Files? That's a tough one. Scratch
0: The X-Files. Because I don't know, it's been over a decade since I've watched an episode of The X-Files, and I'm sure that I'd still love it, but I'm not willing to bet Ted Lasso on it. (laughs) So Ted Lasso versus The Lower Decks. Is this based on what I think you'll enjoy more, or what I think is a better show?
2: I would say what you think is a better show.
1: I would think you'd say Ted Lasso. It's got to be Ted Lasso, boy. Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: no, that's fine, babe. You yeah. love Ted Lasso. I
0: love Ted Lasso. <laughs> We've been together for ten years. This is the only show I've watched independent. From I know. You.
2: Yeah. Well, it's been decided. I can't ever watch the lower decks. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> no, I appreciate well, it. it. Just
0: keep paying for that Paramount Plus subscription for us, please. <laughs> what did we miss on Feeny's outstanding list? Tweet your thoughts at TomSedlaczio or I—I uh, I would say Instagram you, but like, do we want someone to? post a picture of their favorite female sci-fi character and tag you at phoenixatlogico.io
1: we could try it see if anyone does yeah no one's gonna do that I know we could try it oh come on never say never yeah. yeah never
2: I've never posted anything on Instagram
1: yet never and say never maybe <laughs> hey, that'll
0: be my first one yeah can okay. I see your phone for a second I'm totally
2: unrelated you can see it yeah you can I touch it <laughs> you can touch it you're not With gonna log into it I'm going put it in my pocket now oh
0: put me in your pocket <laughs> Before we get into Cowboy Bebop Space Serenade, we're going to invite Dr. Camille, friend of the show, Dr. Kelsey Camille, in to talk about hydration. Dr. Camille, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Dr. Camille, why is it important for us to remember to stay hydrated when we're watching, playing, or reading things for long periods of time?
3: So it's really important to think about hydration when uh, we're playing games or experiencing life um, for a lot of different reasons, and. I think just to even start out talking about hydration, it's really important just to understand the basics. So most people have thought or known that, you know, we want 64 ounces of water as you know, our, our minimum, but really the reality is that we want about half of our body weight in ounces of water as an absolute base minimum um, of water to start for during the day. And then say you have you know, a can of soda or a cup of coffee Uh, We want to take whatever those ounces are and have a two to one ratio of water to actually compensate for what we just consumed. And that's just to kind of survive for basic metabolic functions for our body to function properly.
0: So what if we're going to spend an entire day playing the Bloodborne board game? What is the appropriate water to whiskey to board game per day ratio?
3: I mean that is some really deep science, I'm not going to lie. But I'm pretty sure you're going to want to start out with a giant glass of water and you're probably going to want to have um, making sure that you're getting most of the water for your uh, day out, out of the way so that you can do, uh, you know, your uh, glass of whiskey and then do a follow-up glass of water, you know, to make sure that you're dehy- or you're rehydrating from your dehydration agent. And then you got to have your next Glass of whiskey because, of course, if you're playing your bloodborne board game, it's going to take some out of you. So, you got to make sure that you're really fueling the soul and follow up with your next, you know, cup of water for the follow up of your rehydration again.
0: I love it. That is great advice. Thank you so much for stopping by, Dr. Camille. We'll catch you next month. Thank you. You can make an appointment to see Dr. Camille in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. Visit the Premier Health website at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com for our final topic today we are going to discuss cowboy bebop space serenade a four-player deck builder developed by don't panic games the game released in 2019 and has you filling the shoes of one of the four iconic crew members of cowboy bebop three it's based on the anime so there are four crew members (laughs) you're trying to prove you're the best bounty hunter by building the biggest reputation the game has you chasing bounties across three planets. Each character has two special abilities and you can use the special one of the special abilities of other characters who are in the same space as you. The game was designed by Johan Benvenuto and Florian Sirier and has a Board Game Geek rating of 7.6. I'm good at names, I'm good at names, let's all take a moment and praise Tom.
2: Well done, Tom. Thank you. I can't believe you got that on the first read.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing what I am capable of (laughs) and what goes on behind the scenes. We played this game four times last night to prepare for the show. So, Burns, you've played as each of the characters. I think I've played as three of the four characters. And, Phoenix, you've played four games spaced over two years of this game. (laughs) I thought we'd start by discussing how this game differs from other deck building games. The basic premise of a deck builder is everyone starts with the same basic deck of cards. In this instance, you play as one of the four iconic uh, crew members and each member has their own deck with the same cards, although four or five of those cards will be color coded to your specific character. And then there is a shared pool of cards that Anyone can buy on their turn. So it's my turn. I have a hand of cards. I'll generate so much money, so much fuel to travel to other planets, and so much damage that I can do to enemies. I can take that money, buy a new card. It gets added into my deck for future turns. That is the basic tenet of a deck builder. What sets Cowboy Bebop apart?
2: So I think the first thing is that each of the cards is themed to one of the four characters, right? And then you have an ability on some of the cards that if you played a card of that other character, when you play this card, you get a special benefit. So, for instance, if I had one card where it was a spike card, but if during that turn I also played a jet card, I could also do a damage attack with the the card that had jet on the bottom of it. And I think that's pretty neat because then... It has you thinking about trying to build these synergies throughout the game and how you want to focus that. And so I know like one of the strategies you used was to try to get the ones for your character that had that had your character on the bottom, because then you most likely than not would always get that benefit, right? Well, I
0: tried I tried playing two different ways. And our first playthrough I tried to collect a very diverse cast. I tried to collect cards from every character so that I could fire off combos all over. In practice, it just didn't work because I didn't have the jet card that I needed to trigger the Ed bonus and the spike card to trigger the Faye bonus. It just mm-hmm. it never all came up at the same time. So in future playthroughs, in our last three games last night, I focused, like you said, on getting my character's card and then the other character's cards that'll combo specifically with my character.
2: Yeah, and I think that's probably the better strategy. It's one of those things where I think the more often you play the game, you might build up other strategies where it's like, I have my base, so if I'm Spike, I have my base Spike cards. But then I'm going to get all Jet cards and a few Fey cards and try to get Jet cards that have a combo with... like. There might be some weird synergies you could find that way as you play through the game, um, but I think the most lucrative way to start off with is to focus on getting either your cards or cards that synergize with your cards. Um, each character kind of has their own shtick. So each one of them has their special ability. So for Faye, she can spend two fuel and get a Wulong.
0: Which um, is the currency to buy cards.
2: Yeah, or the currency from the anime, too. Um, not gold, but Wulongs.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, called the Wulongs every single time we played <laughs> last night. Why are you looking at me um, like that?
2: And uh, and so that's useful because a lot of phase cards, if you get a lot of collect a lot of phase cards, a lot of them have Wulongs on them. Because it's all about, you know, in the anime, she's all about collecting money. For Ed... You can spend three, three fuel to get uh, one clue or what a dialogue box. I'm yeah. not sure investigation. Exactly it's like an investigation point. Um, and, and so because a lot of edge stick is about generating a lot of fuel and then doing that. And so a lot of her cards have a lot of like clues on them. Um, and then Jets um, seems to be a lot about investigating as well. Um, But he has a little bit more balance with... Like, I think Jet is probably the one that's more balanced out of all of them. Um, And then Spike seems to be... His mechanics seem to be around... um,
0: Drawing extra cards? Drawing
2: extra cards. So if you spend three fuel, you can draw another card. So you typically get a hand of five cards to play on that turn. But then some of his cards also allow you to draw cards. Or discard one of your cards to get another card. And so he's kind of a lot about cycling through cards... Um, is sort of the shtick to make work with him.
0: And a lot of deck builders, they focus... You don't have a character in most deck builders. Like, you have the same deck of cards as everyone else, and then your uh, toolbox evolves as you buy new cards to add into your deck. Mm -hmm. I think it's the character aspect that really sets this game apart, and it gives it a very Cowboy Bebop feel. Mm -hmm. And then what you're actually trying to accomplish is capturing these different bounties on three different planets. There's Mars, Earth, and Ganymede, and each one can have a different criminal on it that you can either go and fight to capture through physical means, or you can investigate what they're doing and try to uh, get to the bottom of the nefarious plans using subterfuge and other tools. That's all represented by generating clue tokens. Is the core gameplay loop of this game of trying to get those bounties and collect those and build the biggest reputation, is this fun? Or would you rather just... uh, Buy a bigger sword and whack at a dragon.
2: I think, I mean, I think it's fun. I did have, I did have a good time with it for sure. Um, I think by the time we finished playing it four times in one sitting, we were like good to set it down for a while. But I think that would be a lot of games if you played them back to back to back that much,
0: except for warriors, warriors, we could play endlessly Maybe forever, maybe, maybe, forever, maybe,
2: um, the one other aspect of it, and this kind of gets maybe into one of the negatives that we thought we saw, was every time <laughs> you attack, you also take a damage card. Um, and those damage cards are going to then get added to your deck and will come up later on. So sometimes, sometimes you know, nothing will happen. It'll be a, a close call and you don't but that's take that's damage.
0: It feels like roughly 1 in 20 chance. Yeah.
2: Um, otherwise, the rest of them, you'll get into your deck and then you'll either discard it once it reveals... Um, in your hand after you shuffle um, or you'll have to spend either a fuel or a goal or woolong or two wulongs. Oh, yeah woolongs not gold uh, to get rid of them otherwise they stay in your deck
0: and that doesn't sound that limiting but you have five cards in your hand and when one of those cards is a wound that means you're not getting any fuel you're not getting any wulongs. you're not doing any damage you're not doing any investigation it is that is 20% of your capacity is limited by one wound. If you uh, start getting multiple wounds, if you draw multiple wounds in more than one turn, like that is a major, yep. major hindrance.
2: And that's where Jet's ability came in to play because you could spend two fuel, right? It was a two fuel to get rid of two of your wound cards that are in your either in your hand or in the discard pile. And so when I was Jet in the first game, um, when I was ended up needing to attack things a lot then i just made sure i had a lot of fuel so that i could get rid of those cards as i earned them uh so that was like a useful strategy with jet to try to mitigate the damage you were doing especially when you're attacking vicious once he comes out because he does two damage to you for every attack you do to him um so like there was one turn where i did three attacks took three damage on vicious i got six of those wound cards but then I think instantly I spent four fuel to get rid of four of those cards. And so it really helped to mitigate that so that it wasn't harming me down the line when I would shuffle my deck um, in, that, in that instance.
0: And Phoenix, I'll turn to you here. You played some deck builders with me. You played Ascension. You played Thunderstone. You played this. I'm sure there are others that escape my immediate notice. First off, do you like the deck building mechanic? Is that a fun style of game for you or do you prefer something else altogether?
1: I do enjoy the deck building mechanics. Um, I guess there's there's ones that you like better where I don't as much. Uh, you like more the competitive deck builders where you, like Thunderstone, you really are into taking everything and then going for it. Where um, I really enjoyed Cowboy Bebop because it had a lot of different aspects to the de- deck building game that aren't maybe in a lot of other deck building games that I enjoyed. I mean, the wounds I, can be a hindrance, um, but it makes the game a little bit more complex. You don't want the game to be easy every time around. Like, mm-hmm. you know, pandemic, mm-hmm. you're playing against the game. So in ways you're kind of playing against each other, but also playing against the game. But, um, but I enjoy the mechanics and... I guess it depends on how you go at the cards, because when I go to buy cards, I do look for my character cards, but I'm also looking for more of the investigation clues mm-hmm. instead of buying ones that have the, um, the damage, because... If I can go after someone and use a lot of the investigation clues, then I don't have to be taking on the wounds. So that was my strategy, was to figure out how I can go about doing that, too.
0: So which character did you prefer playing as?
1: Uh, Jet was useful, because he had some big um, clues. But for some reason, the way the game balances out, which I noticed before, Ed just seems to be... mm, they Made her maybe a little too heavy
0: with the well. We played four games last night, Ed won three of them. Yeah, I won as Ed, Feeney won as Ed. I'm pretty sure you won as Ed in one of our first two games. Yeah, because
2: yeah, I won as Jet and then I won as Ed.
1: Yeah, <coughs> I mean, Faye is I, I remembering back when I first played as Faye, I enjoy playing her, and she had a lot of different um variables to her cards, mm-hmm. and which. I guess maybe they should have done that more with all the character cards, create more variability with them, but um, I know Spike. We all find him the lesser character in the game. He's Spike is terrible in this game. Oh, yeah. And he's the main protagonist of the show. It's
0: unfortunate. And like I tried to make Spike work. I tried a specific run last night where I was gonna be Spike and I was just gonna focus on melee combat and I was gonna grab all the combat cards that I could out of the uh, pool when they came up and it just it was not an effective strategy. I finished last out of the three of us yeah, I think, in that game.
2: I don't necess- I don't know if he's worse than the other ones, but I do think his mechanic is a lot harder and you have to be, like, I think a lot of it, like, thinking about it more after, because I played as Spike in our last game last night. And
0: you made a pretty good go of it, mono a mono Spike versus Ed.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to, you need to get his cards that allow you to, like, discard cards that are face up and replace it with another card. Because that's how you mitigate his wounds, You get two wounds up, but you have one of your cards that allows you to discard a face-up card and draw another one. I get rid of of that wound and then pull it up. And you have some other cards that allow you to look at the top of your deck um, and then either discard the card or keep it on top. So that's another way to mitigate wounds if you can't get rid of them. And then the other strategy I used was to try to fly Jet to me as much as I could. And basically any fuel I got was to have him remove wound cards from my discard pile. And so I think there's a way to make it work. It's just you have to very specifically get those cards and purchase those cards when they're up. And if they don't come up, very difficult.
0: Yeah, Yeah. there's a huge deck of cards that you can purchase cards from. So the odds of getting specific what you need seem pretty slim. Another way I limited myself when I was playing Spike is. The first 3 games I just obsessively tried to filter out my bad cards out of your 5 or your 10 card basic deck. 5 just give you a single wulong and you can spend 3 wulong to get that out of your deck forever. And I in deck building games, I believe in filtering out the trash. Yeah, like do. You, <laughs> one wulong doesn't move the needle very much. So get those cards out so that you can be drawing your good cards more. The problem is, I wasn't getting many good cards. I wound up with a deck of like 12 spike cards and none of them produced multiple fuel, multiple damage, multiple clues. And I just, I felt completely constrained and like I was never even in the game, which isn't, which isn't fun. One of a game that I like to reference frequently is Deadwood, the cowboy game where, uh, when the most fun thing you can do is roll die and fight other cowboys, but that is the worst thing you can do if you're trying to win the game. And I feel like fighting in cowboy bebop almost has a similar edge to it. Like, I guarantee, if I'm playing this to try to win ever again in the future, like I'm going after those clue tokens too. Like I'm, yeah. I'll be Ed if I have the opportunity, and I'm going to get those clue tokens, and I'm just going to stomp anyone else that wants to play. Honey, you want to play this game again?
1: <laughs> like you're saying, I and I think it's a great game to pull out and play a couple rounds and put away. You know, um, I guess I'll... if you have a serious gaming group that meets every week. I, maybe it's a game that you wouldn't bring with you every week because it might seem too repetitive mm-hmm. at times. But it is too repetitive if you play four times in a row. That is I can, true. Well, you guys that are trying to that. figure out the mechanics and yeah. stuff. Right. But One, yeah,
2: and it was good that it was good to try out each of the characters and sort of see the yeah. differences there.
0: One big positive for this game. For being a deck builder and having a lot of uh, different currencies and stuff, it's easy to pick up. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is easy, very easy to get into. Like visually, maybe a little overwhelming at first with the three different planets yeah. with the miniatures. Two with, of which
2: planets look exactly the same almost. Yeah, I, there's like slight differences between Earth and Ganymede.
0: Dark blue and light blue, and we the first game we kept bungling where the villains went and. That was kind of a mess. But overall, Joey, you had never played this game before. You're familiar with deck builders, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's your favorite genre of board game. And by the time we were a couple turns in, you had complete command of this game.
2: Yeah, it is, it's, it's really straightforward to pick up. I think uh, I, that is definitely a benefit of it. I think another one of the benefits of the game is that um, like, it, the graphics on the cards look really good. Like, I, it's, yeah. it's all stills from the anime. Uh, and, and it does a really good job of capturing, like, bits from the anime that it match does. what's going on in the cards.
0: Well, it's and, funny because Phoenix and I had been cherry-picking some episodes of the anime to get ready for the show and to compare it to the live action. I'm like, oh, honey, look, here's yeah. the dragon <laughs> dude, and honey, look, here's this one for this uh-huh. other show. And that was very fun. And
2: I think one of the knocks then on that note was the bounties that come up, so the different, the different criminals that you're trying to track down and take care of, Each card has their name on it and them. And then, like, they're either zero or one, like, renown to take down, basically. And, uh, you know, some of the ones that were more important are the ones that are one renown as opposed to zero. Uh, But, ultimately, I I really wanted them to have a little bit more of a personality to them. Like, if they did one thing while you were trying to take them down or while you were on the planet with them, Mm. I feel like that would have added a little bit more to it. Otherwise, it's just the picture of the face from the from the anime the name and then okay how many of the how many times do i have to hit it to take it down or how many times do how many times do i have to do an investigation to take it down and that's, like, really all you're focused on. So it's really all about getting the the discs off of there to get your victory points. Mm-hmm. Um, if it would have had a little bit more of a personality to be like, oh, Hakim came up. Oh, no, this is going to screw us so bad. Um, I think that would have just taken it that next level um, to, to, like, really make it a little bit more replayable. Because then you don't know what order these things are going to come out in. Yeah. And that could hit you this time. It's like, oh, crap, we got Hakim now. That's bad for us, you know?
1: Sort of like pandemic in ways where you, as you progress, the cities, you, <coughs> you, you know that that, that multiplier is coming. is coming and mm-hmm. it's just gonna mess with you. Yeah, <laughs> so.
2: and and so I think I think that would have been like that one little thing I think would have given it a little bit more, a little bit more legs and a little bit more depth um, to allow you to dig into just a tad more, or make make the game a little bit more variable instead of it just being about. How do you want to build your deck engine and trying to do that?
1: Yeah, no, I can see that uh, point. And as far as you guys more experienced season board gamers, you know, um, for me, it's a nice game Mm -hmm. to dig into with not having to learn a lot of rules, not have to worry about a lot of things. And you hadn't
0: played this game in at least a year when you... Joined us last night. Burns and I were mid game, and we started over so that you could join us. You hadn't played it in about a year. I'm like, well, honey, here's what all the symbols mean. Yep. Go. How do you feel like you floundered at all? Could you have used more onboarding, or did it come back to you relatively? Is this? It
1: started to come back to me, but I also always like to have people go ahead of me because I am a very visual person. Mm-hmm. So watching people play through something helps me. I this game was easy because it doesn't have a lot of nuances where playing some of the more complex games where there's a lot of nuances, I have a harder time. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it takes a little bit longer for me to pick it up. But like you said, it did come back to me and um, more quickly than, you know, and the rules aren't That complex. It does look overpowering, but it just Mm -hmm. you just have to sit down, take a moment, and it's pretty fairly easy. If you watch a walkthrough through YouTube, I'm sure you'll know how to play it very quickly.
0: I'm gonna make a bold statement here. This is not a game for Adam Wilson. Like, I know the types of game that Wilson like. Maybe he'd enjoy a playthrough. Like, maybe it'd be a fun palate cleanser thing to do. But like, this is not your hardcore, crunchy, multi-hour, deep, immersive experience. And like, that's fine because I think this is. A tight fun thing, I personally really like deck builders. I like buying cards, adding mm-hmm. the deck, and seeing kind of like how I can build that. Yeah. And I like that this is like this can be a one-off, two off experience that we can just pull mm-hmm. out, play. I think our games are taking about an hour. We played for four and a half, five hours last night and got four full games yeah. in. Yeah. But uh, I think this is a game that's on the lighter end of the spectrum. I think it's awesome. I think it's Maybe it's not great for onboarding new people into the hobby. If you know someone who's a hardcore cowboy bebop fan and has maybe a slight interest in board games, maybe maybe there's some crossover there. But I feel like this game specifically is for Feeny and me because we're cowboy bebop fans and it's a game style that I like. Burns, where do you see this game intersecting between your different like groups of friends or? gaming groups
2: yeah it would be something that would be fun to pull out with like friends that have played the anime before um played a couple of times like because really the first time you play it you're just picking it up and then after that it's it's like a lot of those games like you you got to go through it to sort of see how it all comes together and then the second game it like clicks right yeah um and so i think it would be good to pull out in that way um but i don't think it would be something that if i was getting together with people to, like, play a card game, like, we'd probably play Marvel Champions, because uh, we got hardcore into that. Um, but it's 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 a good game, and it does a really good job with the theme. And so if you were looking for something to scratch, like a Cowboy Bebop itch, I think that would work. Now, if we were going to mash these two games up, Cowboy Bebop and Marvel
0: Champions, who would win in the fight? Thor or Ed?
2: I mean Thor?
0: I don't know. Ed's got those clue tokens, yo. I mean, Ed would be thwarting everything Rhino's trying to do. I think that Ed is unstoppable. I would
2: think, though, what I would think is that Thor would be able to, with Mjolnir, throw his thing. His ability would be that he doesn't take a damage on one attack per turn because he threw Mjolnir at something and he was far enough away to not take damage back.
0: So you're saying that he could collect those damage tokens off of Vicious without taking all of the cards? Once per turn. Once per turn. Hmm. I don't know. I think, I think I still got Edward on the fight. Honey, who do you have? Thor versus radical Edward.
1: Well, I haven't played Marvel's champion, so I can't really say radical Edward. It is two (laughs) versus one, my friend. (laughs) (coughs) Well,
0: there you have it. Cowboy bebop space serenade. This is probably going to be the last time we talk about cowboy bebop on the show. I mean, I can't imagine we're going back to the anime. There's never going to be another live action show. Uh, Unless there's like a new major board game about it. So here it is. Open floor. Last chance to talk about Cowboy Bebop on our podcast.
1: One point. At the end of the live action show, can Ed really be portrayed in a show? (laughs) I think
0: yes. I just think they did it very poorly. Yeah. That was a teaser that they had at the very end of the season. Uh, We've talked all show along how there's only three characters in the live action, they do tease Radical Edward in the fourth in the most like grating and irritating way possible. Yeah, they do. It's like, let's take everything negative about this character and let's jam it right in people's faces. Yeah.
2: I think that was going to be the hardest one to try to figure out to portray in not a way that would be grating because that is the most anime of anime characters that you can get. Just crazy, off-the-wall, loud, rambunctious. Um, weird movements weird movements and i mean i wouldn't want to be the actor trying to yeah do that. no I know. so so yeah that was going to be the uphill battle um <laughs> well i said this earlier in the show but if you can't do the characters don't do the show right don't do the show if you can't do like the yeah. core things from the show yeah and, and maybe like because i did have that thought it's sort of like after seeing that little teaser at the end i was just sort of like maybe it is good that they're not doing a second season because that might have made it hard to get through an episode because I I enjoyed Ed a lot from the anime. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, And so, and and maybe they'd they'd be able to make it work with more screen time instead of just, you know, at the end of the episode, after all these emotional things that have happened and then, you know, here's an annoying thing. Yeah. Get ready for season two. That magically teleported a dog with them somehow. Was I in with Ed? Uh Uh-huh.
1: Oh wow! I really yeah, and that's that the other thing. It's like, how did Ein end up with Ed at the end of the live show? It's like... Ain probably would to get Ed. Well, it's still, oh, it's just... Ein's but, a genius. Yeah, I, they didn't really portray him at all very well in the show either. Well, no, they but, didn't do anything well in the show. Yeah, but. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Overall, if you haven't seen Cowboy Bebop, the anime, I would re- totally recommend it. Um, it's not your traditional anime where you have the craziness or how Japan gets off on these, you know, wild monsters craziness Mm -hmm. the crazy faces and stuff it's more grounded in a believable reality reality. it's a
0: dystopic future where you can see the about the bebop existing you can see how humanity would end up in this state it's very
2: to be honest it is like an anime version it like i see a lot of commonalities there's differences obviously but it is it is similar to firefly
1: it is like Mm
2: -hmm. i think the world is similar um in, in like sort of the nature of things uh like the cowboy kind of meshes yeah. with how they how mal and them are uh, act like in firefly um it's different and it definitely has a lot more action to it than firefly does yeah. um but i see a lot of similarities so if you like firefly too, yeah. i could see you liking call, Cowboy Be- a bebop a lot
1: totally agree that's really good it's yep. really good yep so.
0: and there you have it the final word on cowboy bebop it is good the anime not the live action show that's rubbish <laughs> next month we are going to break down far cry we are going to discuss the series history and do a deep dive on far cry 6 thank you so much for listening to this episode of outside is overrated please review us on your favorite podcast platform and consider supporting our show on patreon at patreon.com oio for Joey at HobbyBoxBurns and for Phoenix at PhoenixSidlogicOIO on Instagram, I'm Tom Sidlogic at Tom oio on Twitter and Instagram. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids. Hopefully, I don't get a lot of the rattle of my
2: uh, cough drop into the microphone. I was going to say, I'm just hoping you don't choke on it. Because oh, <laughs> yeah, I Because it's been a long time since I've done CPR training, so I'll try to do the Heimlich, but I don't know if it'll be successful. Friends, you got to go mouth to mouth. You know that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you just worry about what I'm doing to your chest and not what's poking you in the back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's going to make a different joke
2: for you, in. <laughs>
0: Oh, good stuff. This is going to be a good show. <clears throat> the game was designed by Johan Benvenuto and Florian Serie and has a board game geek reading, read, read reading.
2: <laughs> you did so well on the dance, and then you got to rating. <laughs> <laughs> rating is a hard word. It's like
0: Road. Road. Rude. Road.